0: What makes life worth living here on Earth so that by the time our lives ended, we'd know that we had loved enough, contributed enough, and lived our best lives? Within our 13.8 billion year story, we can see where we're from, where we are now, and actually get a sense and an understanding of where we could be going. With the advancement of technology and the influence of climate change and economic shifts, and so much more affecting the way that we live today, If you were given an opportunity to create a whole new paradigm, one that held your most important and sacred values, what would those values be? Well, let's find out what people all over the world are doing to shape the future and the new world they'd like to live into. I'm T-Bird Love, and I'd like to welcome you to New World Voices. This is a podcast of global voices offering skills, tools, and leadership for a sustainable, co-creative society based on eco-responsibility and human connection. Hello, everybody. Welcome to New World Voices. I'm T-Bird Love, your host. And today we've got a really special person here, Alex Shore, one of my good friends who introduced me to Shanghai. But not just only a good friend, but really a role model, an inspiration, a luminary in my world, someone who came to China about eight years ago and really started leading the renewable energy movement here. He started his own company, Cedar, here and um, really just kind of became sort of a grounding force in really future technology to make the world sustainable. So we're going to learn a lot more about Alex and, and sort of this vision of what the new world looks like through his eyes, through his heart, because not only is he someone who is bringing renewable energy to places like China, but I'm watching him also bring community together, pull together really beautiful values. So Alex, welcome here to New Voices. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you. This is <laughs> quite an intro and uh, yeah, very excited to chat.
0: Yeah, it's really, I I feel like I'm the luckiest person because I get to have fascinating conversations with phenomenal people. So um, let's kind of dive in right now. Like, You've lived here in China for about eight years. And eight years ago, that was what? 2011.
1: 2011. Wow.
0: 2011. And you were already thinking about renewable energy. like. And today, I mean, you know, not that it's a new conversation, but we know in the world it's really become something that's. You know, a big deal. We're really living at a very important critical moment, I think, in the history of humanity. But talk to me a little bit about why China, how you got here, and why renewable energy even back
1: then. Yeah, that was uh, the pioneering days, 2011, <laughs> renewable energy in China. But the main thing that kind of drew me here was really this idea that what The direction that china goes the rest of the world will follow that was this kind of idea that i came to after reading a lot about china and at the time i was thinking where if i can go anywhere in the world where would i go to have an impact that was kind of my premise and then i started reading and traveling uh, quite a bit and um, china was the one that kept coming up in news and conversation and obviously just size and scale and then in early or mid 2011 they came out with the 12th five-year plan which I think you probably know, right? Every five years, the government comes out with this big plan and announces what they're going to do in very clear terms and usually radically ambitious goals. Um, I remember just reading it and being like, this is seriously happening in China? Like, what? why am I here in the U.S. right now mm-hmm. in Boston? <laughs> um, like, I need to be there. And the amount of money they're investing in, everything from clean energy was one, but energy efficiency, the future of vehicles, changing cities, education. It was every metric you could think about. And the amount of money and support that they were pushing and the goals they were setting were really insane. Um, So I kind of got intrigued, came here for a visit, supposed to be six weeks, Mm -hmm. just exploring. And within three weeks of that trip, I basically canceled my return flight and was like, this is the place that I want to be. Um, Got lucky and met someone who was also taking a year off. He was already in China, but taking a year off to start a company bringing clean technologies to China. We met, hit it off, and started a business together. So that's kind of how we got started. But um, clean energy really was this mechanism that I felt like was the place and the way to improve people's lives in the the biggest way, which was to essentially improve their health. Mm Because in China... 1.6 1.6 million people every year die from air pollution-related diseases. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that number is insane. Like I don't, I can't think of any other thing in the world that kills that many people within a country. Mm-hmm. You know, not just on a global level. This is just China. And so I started thinking about reading about what was the issue with air pollution and what caused it. And the biggest cause across the board is coal. So burning coal for energy is the biggest cause of pollution, air pollution, and PM2.5 in particular, which is the particulate matter which is most harmful to health. And so the obvious answer was, how do we use less coal? Well, the only scenario I see of using less coal is either use less electricity or to generate it in a cleaner way. So I started with how do we do, use less energy efficiency? Um, and in China, that in 2011, that was super challenging um, because in, energy efficiency involves everything from light bulbs to air conditioners to walls and ceilings and design. And there's just a million variables. Um, and it was really hard to kind of figure out how do you affect all of those. hmm but then i started seeing actually in 2012 2013 the government started announcing subsidies for renewable energy and that kind of that 12 year plan the 12 5 year plan kind of came into action and all of these new support mechanisms started happening so renewable energy started to become the opportunity and in without hey, it's a long story but the short version is essentially we started seeing that there was a need to provide financing for these renewable energy projects because otherwise no one wanted to pay the you know the it invest up front and get maybe a five or seven year payback and then make money for the rest. That was too long, especially in China back then. Mm-hmm. So we started saying, how do we make it immediate payback today? So there's no upfront cost and they can start saving money. That's like the obvious. That's the, mm-hmm. You can position that, pitch that to someone. It's hard for them to say no. Mm-hmm. So we basically came up with the first power purchase agreement was what it's called. It's a model that came from the U S and Europe, but we did the first one in China in 2013 and 2014 uh, for a big warehouse in Beijing. And that was a really crazy learning experience. I had, we, had, we knew nothing <laughs> about how to do it initially. And after it almost took 18 months or more, we had gone through all the government paperwork, we had gotten the right registrations, we had find the ro- right local construction partners, mm-hmm. sourced the solar panels, found the warehouse, did the co- it was a whole thing and found the financing, which was the hardest part. Uh-huh. Anyway. That was our first journey, and after that, it's, it was about five years of just continuing to grow that business and help to replicate that same model of like this no-cost solar where someone else invests, uh-huh. they get low cheaper power from day one, and uh, finding other factories and and large commercial buildings to do that, install that on, and slowly we got moved, did that and grew that, and the market got more developed, more Chinese companies came in, and we became more of a an advisor and consultant for all of these big Western companies, so mm-hmm. Um, I, wow, quite I'll, I'll, st- I'll stop there before I take the whole podcast, but no,
0: it's great. I mean, uh, I think it's very interesting, um, for all of us to hear about the journey and how it, how it's been working out, including what brought you here in terms of, oh my God, you know, <laughs> look at, uh, these ambitious goals that are being implemented by these every five years of like looking at, okay, where do we want to go next? And so I'm kind of curious about in terms of the new world, because we're all about, you know, we're here right now sitting in china looking at china growing so quickly as well as looking outside of china because we're also americans and we travel in the world and we know that we're at this crossroads right we know that we're at a critical moment in time and so i'm curious about um what you think the rest of the world could learn from your time being here in china as well as what can what can china do Um, even better to help be a greater role model in the world?
1: Hmm. That's a great question. Um, The first thing that comes to mind, and this is something that I think is one of my biggest fascinations with being in China, is seeing how they leapfrog, Mm -hmm. right? That that idea that you actually skip over something that wasn't as efficient into something that was better. So you were like in this old state. Other places had figured out maybe a midterm solution, China was like, "No, we don't like that. We're just going to skip to the, no- the next level." And the best example is like email, right? Like China- people in China rarely use email, and that's because they went from pre-email, you know, n- nothing, to basically WeChat. Yeah <laughs> So you know, there was QQ in between, which was a, kind of the precursor to WeChat, but basically they went from, from no, no kind of messaging to direct messaging. Um, and they skipped this email thing, which for most Chinese people are like, what is this? Like, why is it so inefficient and formal? Like, yes, I'll use it for certain things. But to me, that was a great example of how China leapfrogs, And it's happening in many other areas. Um, clean energy was one, but electric vehicles are another, batteries, all these cool big things, you know, phones that happened too, right? People, a lot of people never had landlines. They just went right to, right to mobile. Um, and so there's all these areas that China's leapfrogging because they are so big and they are so unified in terms of when the government says that we're going to do something that they mm-hmm. mobilize the resources and, and and make sure that it happens. So they're able to choose very strategically. What are the things that they want to invest in and grow right now that people are talking about AI and artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Food is such a big one. They're actually leapfrogging the, the you know, this whole industrial, they started, they, they kind of got pulled into the industrial farming world, but they're starting to really move into this, how do we feed 1.5 billion people in the most efficient way? And mm-hmm. they're looking at from vertical farming to, you know, fully automated farming to, you know, all kinds of, uh, <laughs> even they're the, the cool thing about China is they're the pioneers of aquaponics. They were two or 3000 years ago, it was the farmers in the fields growing rice and mm-hmm. fish together together were the first kind of doing these interesting farming models. So anyway, I just, that to me is what kind of gets me excited about China and where they can play a role in the world is, because they can mobilize so much so fast, whether it's building the largest metro system in the world mm-hmm. or going in other countries and building power plants, there's a lot of negative consequences of those things: pollution and, and waste, and you know, even sometimes potentially like uh, human rights issues. But if you harness that in the right way, you can do really amazing things. Especially when you're looking at like what are the the big pressing needs from climate to uh, healthcare and disease. Uh, to food as yeah. I mentioned and eventually I think there will be some more social elements where they could China may and I this is thinking farther out but China may actually help people like socially and on a human level leapfrog um, because <laughs> this is such a big place yeah. and there's such so many problems at some point when they figure out solutions whether it's about you know community building or about certain you know educational improvements or whatever it is they could theoretically i know it seems like a long shot because a lot of people look at china as an antiquated place in some mm-hmm. ways culturally i think there's also a scenario where they could be leapfrogging and these countries in the west who thought they were so advanced and and innovative and civilized as they yeah. used to say mm-hmm. actually maybe getting caught up in their own little bickering about which side are you on and yeah. china's over here pioneering some future model which you know we can't even envision yet
0: yeah it it's i i totally dig it because it, it is very interesting being here and witnessing and watching that all happen. And I love how you talk about leapfrog. Um, my hope is that too, you know, where it's funny to get into assumptions of what we think certain people are about, but I think, you know, having the support, having the crisis as an opportunity, having the money, the financing, having the numbers, there's a lot of potential. And I think even having, you know, uh, People like you, people like some of our friends, people like me here can also help in terms of that social piece. People who really care about the world who are here. There's such an amazing group of diversity of individuals who live here. Not only Chinese, but international crews of fabulous people who are here trying to do great things in the world. So this is a really wonderful place to sit and watch things change so quickly. It's it's very exciting. Um, I'm curious about... so. Right now, so you're here, you've been here for eight years, and I know we've had a couple of conversations. When you're somebody who's always looking to grow and to create impact, that means you're always growing. So I'm curious as to what's next for you, because wow, the world is moving so quickly and and, and changing. And I know that uh, for you, renewable energy isn't the only piece that's in your life. What else is important? What's up for you in terms of the values, the ingredients? how the new world will be shaped and how you're contributing to that?
1: Yeah. Great question. Obviously one, I think about a lot these days. Um, and uh, especially as 2020 nears, I can't believe it, but that date for whatever reason or that year is such a, a big momentous one. Um, and it really signifies the future is here to me, that, that number, probably from all the sci-fi movies mm-hmm. and whatever else. But um, for me, I think the the next evolution is about, you know, it is about going beyond China uh, in, a, in a sense, where I, I I do plan to start spending more time outside of of China, both in the U.S., where I think there's a lot of social unrest that needs to that, that I want to maybe see if there's a way I can support, mm-hmm. i.e., getting a new president. Okay. Um, but uh, also, uh, really, Southeast Asia I think is this interesting kind of dynamic right now, where China actually has a, such a big influence in Southeast Asia. Um, and, and there's a lot of Chinese companies who are doing interesting things there, but Southeast Asia has this opportunity to kind of learn from the best of the West and the best of China Mm -hmm. and kind of gets to, they're a bit more neutral and they have a lot of, uh, resources. They have a lot of amazing, beautiful nature and environment. They have a lot of really dynamic people. Um, some of which had very traumatic histories and I just feel like, although there is massive wealth gaps in all of the countries in Southeast Asia, and everywhere in the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like those are the places that these, you, they can grow in a smart way. I think that's the kind of future that I'm excited mm-hmm. about is like, how do you evolve, expand, improve and grow in a way that is not wasteful, is not um, kind of like, uh, you know, we call it, we used to call it like slash and burn, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what's happening in the Amazon now, mm-hmm. you know, how do you do it in a way that is human centric, right? And so, I think Southeast Asia is this interesting dynamic. And I kind of, there's, I know that's a big area and not a lot of countries, but I think that just that the dynamic there is so much going on, going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of where I'm putting my energy. And it has to do with really what are the ways that we can combine technology and what are the ways that we combine all these social changes, both in the way people live, the way people work, and eventually, you know, how we can create communities around those. Because I think people at the end of the day, human beings, Crave, desire, need community in order to thrive. Yes. And yes. I think that's what we've, most people, especially urban people, have lost uh, is that connection to others, their connection to their environment. And um, yeah, I think that's the actually, just coming back real quick to China, China's done an amazing job of creating this familial culture, which is driven by the family and where people tend to have very close, few but very close friendships. In the West, and I think that's slowly changing as people mm-hmm. get more pulled into the Westernization. But in the West, I think that's completely gone um, in most countries. And I want to figure out how do you bring technology in? Cause it's inevitable. And there's a lot of things that you can do in, the, in a positive way and, and, combine that with all these social changes and challenges that people have. Yeah. Um, and it's really about the human connection piece, uh, but really facilitating it. Cause I don't think we've done a great job of figuring out how to use technology to create human connection. So far the, technology we've developed pretty much has done a great job of disconnecting us yeah. and making us feel connected. Cause I get a lot of likes and I get a lot of people I can connect with. I know so many people now, but actually the people who I know more uh, in a deep way or more intimately, you know, probably is less. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cause who has time and who has energy and I'm connecting in all these other areas, but it's not as, yeah. it's not as deep.
0: Yeah. It's, it is a very interesting, uh, moment where, you know, in some ways, um, A lot of the technology we have has brought us closer together, but yet has created such a disconnect um, within our personal relationship to ourself and our own personal needs and each other. Um, So I I love that you're uh, thinking about that too. That's a, that's a big thing on my mind. Um, Southeast Asia, Asia is a really interesting playground for a lot of really um, great things to happen. And, you know, (laughs) I'm not sure what is going to happen, but through the intentions and I think, more and more people are starting to think about, okay, well, since we are at a crisis, let's use it as an opportunity to really do things, um, I don't like to say right, uh, but to do things in a much more healthier way where we don't lose our humanity. In fact, we can grow a better humanity by being more human-centric and getting back to sort of like understanding values of what it means to be alive as a human being and access our creativity, as well as really leverage technology to be able to allow us to rely more upon our, you know, sort of humanness together. And so I'm curious about, you said like building communities, is there anything for our listeners out there, um, any advice in terms of like, we're standing here right before, you know, 2020, um, to think about how they can I don't know, just kind of plant a seed in their life in terms of here we are approaching this new world. What can they do right now in terms that will help them to kind of like prepare for the shift and change or feel like they're a part of it in a way uh, where they matter, where they're not doing it alone, um, small or big things that they can do to really kind of contribute to a world that is, that's a great place to be.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a deep question. Um, and I think the, the first thing that I, that I would say on that is it's all about and something I'm not so good at but working on is about taking, finding and taking space um, and, and reconnecting with what's really most important to each individual person. Because um, we are so distracted and so busy and so, you know, kind of connectedly disconnected that um, I think we're all a lot oftentimes forgetting that. And, uh, what does that really mean to us individually? And, um, and I think it really is, every person's going to have a different answer to that, but just being, um, respectful of that and giving yourself that time and space. And again, I know I need to do it for myself and I'm planning to do that, uh, in the next several months of taking time to really go deep. Uh, for me, it's about getting into nature. That's where I really find like all the answers that I need. It's about, it's a reminder that that's basically what I'm fighting for is like, Nature is what drive, protecting nature and keeping it and 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 like allowing it to work for us is what kind of drives me mm-hmm. um, and then also really you know seeing what kind of things that I can contribute to in the world that also my skills are aligned with I can also yes make an income from and ultimately it's what will as we say this word impact a lot, but'll we'll actually have a you know kind of yield results um, and that's kind of why I've been thinking a lot about how do I help these big kind of corporates. we were talking earlier about mm-hmm. I call them the evil Empire because I think pretty much every world problem we have you can point to the large corporation as the culprit um, the ch- the other the other side of that coin is that they have they're in the best position to change quickly mm-hmm. and 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 all the most of the employees who work with those companies would love nothing more than that to work for a company that is making positive change for example I've, I've worked with a company like Nestle before mm-hmm. and we had talked about well, what if you could actually move beyond the plastic bottle for all that water you're, you're delivering to people. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the the, the the teams who I was talking with. They were so excited about let's brainstorm that. How can we do that? Could we, create, could we even make money by like creating water filters and things mm-hmm. like that? So it's like that's a cool thing where you start to actually go beyond um, where you're at. So I guess I'm just thinking that's really what everyone, if they could do, is just think about what in their life do they really connect with and how can they work on that to uh, influence others in a more positive direction? And whatever leverage point that is, for me, it ha- maybe it's going to be these big corporates. For you, it's definitely going to be the individual and, and the relationship and their their own kind of self-love. Um, for others, I'm sure that they have their own angles, right? And it could be with a startup. It could be with a family member. It could be with, again, another thing I talked just talked about earlier about uh-huh. creating communities. Uh-huh. So I think it's just about everyone needs to... to help or try their best it's not easy try their best to figure out what is their role in this mm-hmm. and where do they get excited because if, if you're getting excited then other people probably will <laughs> uh based on how what you're talking about or what you're how your resonance right yeah. talk about energy as well right This whole yeah. like it, yeah so yeah. so it's it's kind of a big answer it's not an easy question but yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I guess it's, the, but the other, one thing I will add to that is I think sometimes listening to these or podcasts or reading about it, stuff like that, it's really hard sometimes if you feel stuck to like take this advice and have it be like meaningful because you're just like, I'm stuck. I don't, this is like, yeah, that sounds great, but the reality is never that, that easy or that pretty. Um, and I think it's important to realize that sometimes the other scenario is maybe you don't need to do so much exploring. Maybe you just need to make a choice and just start like I don't really know I like this. maybe that's the place I'll start and see where it goes. I think that's a, if like as a, if this other path doesn't work, I think that's actually something that worked for me kind of with this this that's actually kind of how I got into this whole clean energy China thing I was like, this thing in the u s isn't working. I want to go somewhere else like where where okay and then China China I was like, all right, this is the best I got like it I, there's some things that I feel, but mm-hmm. basically I'm just gonna try it and yeah. see where it goes and eight years later I'm still here for better or worse, who knows but It was a choice mostly more because I couldn't find my passion. I couldn't find what's the passion. Everyone Mm -hmm. was trying to tell me to find that. And I kind of just felt like this is the best I got. Let's start with that.
0: So that's a pretty pretty big deal. I mean, because some of us are very clear about our purpose and know. Um, And some of us might be searching, you know, well, what do we take away? What if we want to start? What if we're overwhelmed? What if we do live in nature and we want to make money? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What if we, you know, have kids and have to pay the bills? And I think something that really sticks out for me and you saying that is two things. Start and look at what brings you passion or what actually contributes. Um, and it could be something as small as making sure that you're buying from companies or products that are sustainably conscious. It could be being kind to another person. It could be, um, you know, recycling. It could be saying thank you. It could be, you know, um, uh, volunteering. It could be a lot of different aspects um, that you can at least start by sharing something that brings a lot of meaning and value and I think um, one other piece that I'll add on to that is something that's been very helpful, um, I think, for me and what I'd like to see more in the world is that we end making someone else bad and we're better. And so the new world, what it feels like when we talked about communities and even you saying, you know, it, it, it's about really looking at how we have to work together, um, including when you were saying, you know, corporations, yes, they have been a huge um, contributor of you know, non-sustainable practices. And yet they hold this really incredible opportunity to change things on a big scale. So there's always sort of a light and a shadow side. We just have to figure that out and find it. And I think that more people are learning how to work together because we have to and to learn how to work together from a place of values, which is let's all really create abundance for all life. And do it from a perspective that uses creativity and looks at what's needed, particularly within that particular ecosystem, without making someone bad. So, mm. you know, I think that that's what's up, Alex.
1: Let me just add one more thing on that. Yes, Because add- <laughs> I think, uh, I think the big, the big um, thing that I'm feeling and thinking right now is that uh, basically, you know, it, this is a chance we have, we all have in the world today to start living our true selves. I think, and again, what I mean by that is like starting to be comfortable talking about what we believe and, and, and not feeling bad about it. And maybe you don't even know a hundred percent. You're hundred, like you don't have every answer. And maybe there's people who are going to have say you're wrong or disagree, but like just getting more comfortable with stating your views and sharing opinions and even being clear that their opinions. But I think it's that kind of thing. I, I, I really love that quote that Gandhi says which is something like um that said which was essentially like uh if you are like if you believe in something and you don't live it it's dishonest mm. um and i'm trying to embrace that it's not easy um <laughs> but but i really found that the more i actually do embrace that and do live it things start kind of lining up much clearer and i feel much better about what i'm doing in my day to day cuz like I don't really know if it's right or wrong. I just know that's what I believe. So it, it's much easier to start kind of go deep on that and 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 get out of the bed in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, like I'm doing what I believe. Like I, at least that. And um, I think that line, like people resonate with that. People feel that. And I think when you're doing whatever you're doing, if, if you really believe it, you're going to just end up naturally putting in so much more energy and effort and love into whatever that is. And it's likely to, Again, not only have a higher chance of succeeding, but it's going to also allow other people to who resonate with that to join you. And I think one kind of parting, like thing I'll kind of may end on is the only reason I'm still here after eight years. I've wanted to leave at least a dozen times. You know, from even after year one, year two, year four, year six. I mean, there were so many times I'm like, I'm done, just done. And again, whether sometimes I wonder if I just persisted too long. But I think I'm really proud of the fact that I did kind of fight through uh, and push through the hard times. Uh, you know, I, I, I you know, dealt with family pressure saying, when are you coming home? I've dealt with relationships that were saying, hey, I'm not I don't want to live in China anymore. You know, I've got I've gone through a lot. And I think the one thing that's kind of kept me focused is and kept me going and naturally just pulled me is like, this is something this aligns with me. Like whatever I'm doing, like, like I, I almost wish it sometimes I was like, I wish I wasn't so into this. Like, I wish I could just go. You know, sometimes I wish I had a regular job where I could just quit and uh, give my two weeks notice and be like, all right, next, what's the next job? Like I just, there was times and now I I wasn't able to do that. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like, okay, like there's been, like, I feel like I've kind of almost gone full circle and I'm ready to kind of, now I really truly feel like my heart is saying, okay, there's some new things that I want to go after, mm-hmm. but that feels very organic and not like, um, not forced. So anyway, I just want to leave people with that as, as, as some experience sharing, um, mm-hmm. Both what kept what, what got me started by deciding what kept me going because I was aligned with what I believed and ultimately why I feel pretty good about what I've done just because like although it wasn't as it's never as big as you hope it will be, but I feel good looking back that yeah, I did you know persist, I learned a hell of a lot. I built some great networks, communities, um, you know and basically learned more doing this than I could have ever done you know tw- in, t- in twice as much time in a normal kind of traditional path.
0: Thank you so much, Alex, and um, I think one of the big takeaways, everybody, who, you know, we're building this new world, and I think one of the things that rings true is is that it's not always easy, even when you're doing something you believe in, um, particularly I think for people who are activists or people who, um, you know, really care about, you know, creating a world for everyone. It, it can feel very hard at times to, to stay in the game when you feel discouraged. Um, but it's okay, and, and it's not always easy. And, and, and if you can stick to the meaning and value behind what you're doing, then it'll keep you in the game. Even if you're going somewhere, like for Alex, coming to China, that was like this whole leapfrogging thing, which is very exciting. It also has its own barriers and challenges and when you come into a completely new kind of culture. But I think what's so amazing is that as we create the new world, knowing the kind of values we want, like being human-centric, how to be more connected as opposed to disconnected, how to value more life, um, not making people wrong, and being able to build up the resilience and by following what you believe in. hopefully (laughs) the beliefs that you have include valuing other life and other people, (laughs) not just your own, Mm -hmm. own opinion about things because we're now in this together. So Alex... Thank you so much for being here. I always love being around you. Thank you for all that you do, for your hard work here, for being a pillar of the community, for who you're becoming in the world. It's very exciting. And I wish you all the greatest and can't wait to see more of what happens as you continuously follow your calling and starting because that's what you do. You start and uh, and you create. Thank, thank you so much. Baby. Thank you, T Bird, and don't
1: forget: <laughs> the future is not to be feared. <laughs> I love that. We are, uh, we have the ability to craft it and and drive it. And although there's a lot of scary stuff happening now, and uh, I think it's important to remember that.
0: Thank you very much. That's right. Well, I'm glad you're in it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on New World Voices. Catch you next week. Have a beautiful one, and uh, make sure you leave a comment below. Any questions? What you learned from this? what you'd like to learn in the future, just let us have it. Thank you so much, everybody. Sending much love and light, and catch you on the next round. Out.